Hi, welcome to Sistry Untold. We're your sisters and hosts. <laughs> What's my name? <laughs> okay. Hi, welcome to Sistry Untold. We're your sisters and hosts, Sabrina and Marva. And on this podcast, we look at history through the eyes of sisterhood. Except not exactly this week. It's not a sisterhood, but take it away, Marva. Tell the people what they're in for. It is history, and it is super exciting. And I think that this is probably one of the most excited you and I have been for an episode. Because it's on one of our favorite topics. And Mm -hmm. we love it so much that we've actually done two episodes about it. So y'all are in for a treat. (laughs) Don't say y'all. I just did. I can say whatever I want. This is my podcast. And oh, it's my okay. See how it is. Anyways, <laughs> okay. as Marva throws our sisterhood to the wind. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about who we'll be talking to today and what our listeners have to look forward to? Yeah. So today we are talking to Jackie Herring of the Jane Austen Festival in Bath, which is a super cool festival that Sabrina and I have gone to and we absolutely loved it and it normally is on in September but because the world is a dumpster fire it is not happening this year um, but so we wanted to honor Jackie and Jane Austen and the festival by covering Jane Austen in the month of September. So Jackie is the director of the Jane Austen Festival, which started in 2001. So it's going on its 20-year anniversary, which is super exciting. And she is here to talk to us about Jane Austen, about Regency period, about Jane Austen's kind of life, which is really complicated. So that's kind of why (laughs) it's in two episodes. Like they move around a lot. And Jackie just knows so much that... We just thought, why not have her on? And she's going to also talk a little bit about the festival and how that builds community and sisterhood itself. And I think that pretty much covers it. But I think that this is going to be super exciting in like a way that you wouldn't expect Jane Austen to be super exciting. I think that people (laughs) think that Jane Austen is like, oh, you know, like no touching, Uh, (laughs) which is everybody's life now. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. We definitely had a lot of fun talking to Jackie and learning all about Jane Austen's upbringing and her career. And yeah, we we really miss the festival. I'm looking forward to going to it next year if things are somewhat back to normal. But yeah, just listen and enjoy. Yep. And like we said, this is going to be a two-parter. So in next week's episode, we will cover... Jane Austen's relationship with her sister Cassandra so we'll be fully back into history but we just wanted to give a little bit of background first hello Sabrina and Marva Uh, it's lovely to meet you (laughs) I I have to say this is a first for me I have been interviewed numerous times for newspapers radio television but I've never done a podcast, so I'm really looking forward to it. So anyway, oh, let's well, get we're on. glad we could be your first. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it also. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, firstly, I'll introduce myself. Uh, my name is Jackie Herring. I am the festival director of the Jane Austen Festival in Bath, which is in the UK. 
and I have been involved with the festival since it began in 2001. In September this year, we should have been celebrating our 20th anniversary, mm. but due to the uncertainty over COVID pandemic, like a lot of other events and festivals, the 2020 festival has been postponed to 2021. I'm officially not working, um, and I probably won't start working again until the end of the year. The Jane Austen Festival is a 10-day celebration of all things Austen in the beautiful Georgian city of Bath in the southwest of England. And Bath is approximately two and a half hours by car or an hour and a half by train from London. I'll explain a little more about the festival, but before I do so, I think it will be helpful to say something about Jane Austen. A first introduction to Austen these days is more likely to be through a film version of one of her novels. Even those who don't know who Jane Austen is have usually heard of at least one of them. On top of literary lists is Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice has been adapted for radio, TV, film and theatre numerous, possibly hundreds of times. The BBC have produced at least four versions. The most recent and most acclaimed in 1995 starred Colin Firth as Mr Darcy. The first ever film version in 1940 was in black and white with Laurence Olivier as Darcy and Greer Garson as Elizabeth. The costumes were said to have been reused from Gone with the Wind, which had been released mm. the year before. Interesting. And I, I think you'll notice that if you actually have a look at that particular film. You know, the costumes are about 1860, which is mm, a good 60 years too late. Yeah, before. I was thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> <Sounds a bit laughs> but it's a delightful film and it has a great cast in it. So it is great cast mm-hmm. in it. The most recent film version from 2005 has Matthew McFadden as Darcy and Kira Knightley as Elizabeth Bennet. Again, it's not exactly as a book, but it's still fun. And that <laughs> we definitely we yeah, love. I thought you did. <laughs> <laughs> you have to you have to be my age to know the 1995 version. Uh, then, of course, we've got the spin-offs, right, which are great fun too. Mm-hmm. There's Bridget Jones's Diary. Yes. Seen them all. Mm-hmm. Seen them all. <laughs> Bride and Prejudice. You know, Bride and Oh, Prejudice. the like Bollywood kind of one. Yeah, yeah that one's so yeah. good. <laughs> Got the music to that in my car. Death comes, <laughs> Death comes to Pemberley. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh my gosh, I have not. Our seen mom actually really likes that. that, which is out of character. <laughs> yeah, that's goody. Lost in Austin, that's fun. And mm-hmm. you, you, you probably know more than I do about the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which is on YouTube. Have you, have you seen that? Um. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it, actually. Okay. Right. So, the next thing is, but who was Jane Austen? Well, Jane Austen was born on 16th of December, 1775, in the small village of Steventon in the county of Hampshire in the southeast of England. She was the seventh of eight children, but only the second daughter. Jane and her sister, her older sister, Cassandra, were particularly close and whenever they were apart, they wrote almost daily. Mm-hmm. Just There's just over 160 of her letters have survived. Um, and that, those together with some of the family papers, from that, been able to put together a bit about Austen herself. Jane Austen did not keep a diary. She reserved all her writing for a fiction. Mm-hmm. Jane Austen's, yeah, Jane Austen's parents, the Reverend George Austen and Cassandra Lee, were married in the city of Bath at the parish church of St. Swithin's, which is in the corner. It's, it's uh, on a corner of Walcott, Walcott Street and Paragon Buildings. Now, I've, I've 
try to leave as much of the sort of locations of uh, the real descriptions out of it because of course this is all verbal so <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> many people yeah many people won't know what the hell I'm talking about so anyway. <laughs> uh, um, after they were married her parents left Bath and they traveled to Hampshire and for the first four of their years of their married life they lived in Dean Parsonage that was whilst Steventon which is where they finally settled was being got ready for them in those four years Mrs Austin had three children now she had an unusual way of raising her babies she would nurse them herself for the first three months and then they would go to be what was called dry nursed in, in to a family in the village once the child was of a sensible age it would return to the Austin family and that sensible age was usually between a year and 18 months old. Oh, wait, so they would go and so live, they would live somewhere they else? They would live somewhere else within the family. Mrs. Austin and, and the oh. Reverend George Austin, they did go and visit their babies, but mm-hmm. basically the child was away from them for that time. Now, it was huh. something that was done years before that, but it was old-fashioned by the time Mrs. Austin mm. was, was doing it. Mm-hmm. However, at a time when most infants died before their first birthday, that mm. was... That, that was pretty good going, really. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. In 1768, the family moved to Steventon, and then um, the four of the the remaining four children were born there. So we have this is a list of Jane's siblings. There was James born in 1765. He became a clergyman. George was born in 1766, but he had some form of disability, so he actually didn't live with the Austins. He was um, mm. he was looked after very and very happy with another family in the village. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, her uh, bro- her brother Edward I'll talk about a bit later on. Then he was born in seventeen sixty seven. Then there was Henry born in seventeen seventy one. He joined the he joined the militia, which is the military, and then he went into banking. And mm. then after that, when his bank failed, he became a clergyman. Mm. So there's clergymen in her family. Mm-hmm. There's um, um, militiamen in her family so soldiers um her sister cassandra was born in 1773 and she was engaged to a gentleman by the name of tom fowl and tom fowl was an ex-student of her father's but neither him nor cassandra had very much in the way of money so he got a job to go abroad and he went abroad but whilst he was there he died of yellow fever Mm. and uh, so dear cassandra never got married Jane's the last, uh, the next of her siblings, Francis, joined the navy, and Francis became in the reached the topmost rank of the navy. He became admiral of the fleet, and he was also knighted hmm. oh, wow. and became Sir, Admiral Sir Francis Austin. Um, and Jane was born in 1775. And then after her, there was one more, and that was Charles. He also joined the navy, and he also became an admiral. Um, and he was uh, a bit of a softie, apparently. These crew were very <laughs> loved him, thought he was very nice. Hmm. So that is a very impressive uh, family. It is an impressive family. <laughs> it is a very impressive family. Um, of course, it was all what the boys did. It was nothing to do, you know. Yeah. Didn't, you know, the girls just sort of went along with what was going on. Well, arguably, the girl Jane became the most successful. Oh, of all absolutely, of them, so. absolutely, she did. Yeah. Well, so her family, the family home at Steventon was a very noisy place because not only did you have the, the boys running around and making a noise, mm. as they would have done, 
But the <laughs> Reverend George Austin also um, took in students, all boys, of course, mm-hmm. and prepared them for university. They were a very affectionate family. They had um, had special names for each other. Um, some of them we know, some of them we don't. Uh, James's name was Jemmy, and then Edward's name was Neddy, and then Francis's, there were two nicknames for him, Frank or Fly, and Cassandra's, <laughs> Cassandra's name was just shortened to Cass. Uh, we don't know if Jane had um, a special name. I expect she did. But um, poor girls, for some reason, I mean, I suppose eight eight of them, by the time they got to Jane, they'd run out of names. But uh, I don't know why, because <laughs> there were only two girls. But Jane, Jane has not got a middle name. She is just Jane Austen, oh, whereas yeah. her sister Cassandra is Cassandra Elizabeth. Hmm. Now, Jane was good at all sorts of dexterous games, Pick up sticks. Have you heard of pick up sticks? Yeah. Yeah. She played that. She was very good at that. There's also a game called cup and ball where you have a, a ball um, is attached by a piece of string to a handle and a, with a, a cup area at the top of it. And you just flick it with your wrist to try and catch it in the top. Hmm. So mm-hmm. This is before computers, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, and then she also was uh, she was quite a reasonable pianist. She played the piano. And she also, as is, was the case with the ladies in those days, um, they had to be good with a needle uh, because they, mm. in embroidery, they made their husbands and brothers shirts uh, and also mm. and also much of their own clothing, particularly their underclothing. Wow. So all the boys rode horses and they went hunting and that was shooting and fishing. Um, they weren't always successful. Um, Jane writes, this was one day that James and Henry went out didn't catch anything. Um, Jane and Cassandra didn't hunt. Uh, neither did they have their own horses. If they wanted to travel anywhere, it's by appointment and at the generosity of her father or, or their brothers. Uh, unless you were really wealthy, impromptu travel was not a part of life for ladies in the 18th and ni- early 19th century. Um, I mean, mm. we, we today, we can jump on a bus well we could before covid we could jump on a bus yeah but um yeah but you know we don't i don't think we really appreciate how restricted their lives were in those days mm. um the austin family were, were comfortable living at steventon but they weren't rich they weren't that well off um mrs austin came from an aristocratic family she had a bit of a hooked nose which she liked to call her aristocratic nose um part of her family owned Stonely Abbey which is in Warwickshire which is a it's um well I think Mr Darcy would certainly be proud of it and uh, any, any <laughs> aristocratic person would the reverend George Austin's family they were well educated they were academics they were highly respected clergymen um they weren't from the aristocracy but they were what was known as gentlemen so they they mm. were you know they didn't have to go and um they didn't get their hands dirty. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Almost, but would they? Would a gentleman still be like employed in? They 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 or... would basically take up professions. Um, their clergyman was the the best way of of doing things. Uh, or like okay. his sons joined the navy, or or mm-hmm. banking, or something like that. Um, but they would they would be expected to rise to the to the topmost ranks i mean nowadays we call them probably um, middle class but there wasn't such a like a white collar kind of yeah thing. there wasn't really a middle class in those days that you had the mm-hmm. aristocracy you had the noblemen you had gentlemen and then you had the workers the laboring classes mm-hmm. that was it really okay. mm-hmm. um 
So almost as soon as Austin could write, she started um, writing stories and things. When she was 15, she did a comedic study of the English royalty and called it A History of England by a Partial Prejudiced and Ignorant Historian. Um, <laughs> I have, I have you that have book, that book, actually. yes. It's got caricatures by her, her sister in it. Uh, and her sister... Oh, yeah, nice. the little um, yes, they're like little cartoons of of royalty. The early works of Jane Austen's are, are called her juvenilia, and she collected them and and into notebooks. And there were three notebooks, and they were imaginatively called Volume the First, Volume the Second, and Volume the Third. So, <laughs> <laughs> but her, her father gave her the books. He was very encouraging of her writing. Mm. Jane Austen's first attempt at adult fiction was probably the short work called Lady Susan. That Lady Susan was made into a film that they called um, Love and Friendship. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it was a few years yeah, ago, right? right. It's, it's quite fun, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it a yeah. couple of times. It's yeah. really, it's a lot really lighthearted. Yes, um, that the actual format of the book was in the form of letters. It's called an epistolary novel. Um, and she it, actually, mm-hmm. at the end of it, she just obviously got tired of it because just, it just ends very abruptly. In 1794, the Reverend George Austen purchased a small mahogany writing desk with one long drawer and a glass inkstand. And that writing desk was, he gave to his daughter. And it was, it's known as a writing slope, we call it nowadays, because it literally is a, it's like um, it would sit on your knees so you could write or you. Or you generally uh, mm-hmm. you put it because they were writing with a quill pen. It, it, it was mm. on a slope, and so and that is what Jane used for the rest of her life. And it's now this writing slope itself is housed in the British Library in London. Um, they did find in 1797 Jane and her mother went to stay with her aunt and uncle in Bath. Uh, their names were James and Jane Lee Perrot. That was her mother's brother and his wife. And they rented a house at One Paragon Buildings, which is in the upper part of the city and was an extension um, of uh, the new building in Bath. In the Throughout the 1700s, Bath had been greatly improved. There'd been masses of building, um, not just in the um, outskirts of the, of the city, but also in the centre of the city because people started coming to the city on a very regular basis. It was a very fashionable place to come to. And when Jane Austen came to Bath, it was it would it had sort of reached its heyday. So you didn't have really um, the aristocracy coming to Bath, but you still had people with money and people who were not very well coming here for, um, for their health. But mm-hmm. it was a brand new city and the stone of which Bath is made is called Bath Stone. And it is very white to start off with. So it would have been a very white glare and quite a glare from it for anybody with sensitive eyes uh, seeing it for the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You were here last year, weren't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, we went to the festival. Did, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, you, you know what the, the bath stone is like. It's a sort of honey colour over years, but. But there's mm-hmm. still some new new um, stone around the city. Yeah, I love the way everything looks there. I think it's so like so yeah. pretty. Yeah, Bath is one of idyllic. my favorite cities ever. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, it is very. It's it is lovely. It is beautiful. It was mm-hmm. sure it, when she returned to um, her home at uh, Hampshire after that, she started writing a novel. She called it Susan, and she eventually she sold it to a publisher actually as Susan for ten pounds. 
He didn't do. He did nothing with it. He said he was going. To, he even advertised it and saying it was going to print it, but he never actually published it. And later they okay. later it was bought back from him for the same amount of money. Mm. Um, then a couple of years later, she returned to Bath and stayed with her brother Edward. Now Edward was a man of independent means. Now I already just said that neither of Jane's parents neither. parents had much in the way of money. Edward's father had a second cousin called Thomas Knight. Thomas and Catherine Knight uh, were a, a lovely couple, um, but they didn't have any children. They had plenty of money and lands in Kent and Hampshire, and they wanted to be able to help out the Austins, and also they wanted to leave their, their fortune to somebody. They met Edward Austin, the young Edward Austin, and they liked him and decided, or rather with the agreement of his parents, they adopted him and made him their heir. And so in 1799, he is by this time called Edward Knight because he, he took their name. And so he, he was staying in Bath in 1799 at 13 Queen Square with one of his, one of his 11 children. He had 11 children and his wife wow. and his wife and his mother and his sister. And now Edward, of course, is rich. So he's probably taken too much in the way of nice, rich food because he was in Bath to take the waters for his gal. Now, mm. taking the waters just means drinking the natural hot water here in Bath. Did you by any chance go to the pump rooms? Did you try the waters? I didn't drink you the didn't. water. I went to the pump rooms. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't drink the water. <laughs> I didn't drink it. No, it, it is warm. It's got a very strange taste to it. but It, mm-hmm. it smells <laughs> a bit like... Is it like sulfur water? No, it's it's think? not sulfur. more sort of irony. It's... Um, yeah, oh, sort of metallic smell, really. Yeah, huh. yeah, okay. but it's, it's, hmm. yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's hot and natural. So anyway, <laughs> when Jane was in Bath in that when, when she stayed in Queen Square, her brother Edward, as I said, he he had gout, so he was taking the waters. But uh, she mentions in a letter that he drinks at the Hetlin pump, is to bathe tomorrow and try electricity on Tuesday. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know electricity is obviously not going to be the sort of electricity we know of. You know, we put flick a switch and it goes on. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. they were experimenting with sorts of forms of electricity um, uh, that they generated it somehow or another. I'm not terribly sure about that. I would imagine you must have been in kind of a lot of pain in order to go through all I, these I would have thought, treatments. well, yes. I mean, it's all very well bathing. That's that's quite nice. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he had no idea what electricity was because we certainly we certainly yeah. wouldn't we wouldn't mix water and electricity together, would we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely not. So while whilst Jane was here, she wrote to her sister Cassandra, and she she mentions um, shopping. So she mentions I saw some gauzes in Bath Street yesterday, only fourpence a yard. But how much that is in today's price, I don't know. But obviously wasn't very expensive then. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. She mentions flowers are very much worn and fruit is still more the thing. Um, Elizabeth has a bunch of strawberries and I've seen grapes, cherries, plums and apricots. There are likewise almonds and raisins, French plums and tap at the grocers. But I've never seen any of those on hats. So obviously flowers and fruit <laughs> is thing for going on hats. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Like actually wearing fruit. Yeah, it would have been wax fruit. It wouldn't have been actual real fruit. Oh, yeah. okay. Still an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting idea. Isn't it? <laughs> yes. Anything to grab yeah. people's attention, you know, make mm-hmm. you stand out. Well, there's also 
gives me something to look forward to for the next year's festival. I'm gonna go yeah, get <laughs> the fruit on your hands. Make it grapes, so you can eat apricots. Make it grapes on your picnic because you yeah. eat it as you go around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were there were entertainments in the city that she went to. She went to a Grand Gala at Sydney Gardens. It had a concert, illuminations, and fireworks. Unfortunately, the time that they were due to go, it was a really bad storm. And actually, it's a bit like today here because it's absolutely tipping it down with rain. But um, it was a bad storm and they didn't go. But they did go about a month later. Oh, sorry, a week later, not a month later. They also went to the play at the old theatre. There was a, And uh, it had a, <laughs> a comic afterpiece called Bluebeard. Um, and the, the reason we know what was on at the theatre was not because Jane mentioned it in her letter, but because we've got a lot of the posters from the day and they're also, also mentioned in the local paper and a lot of the mm. local papers survive from that, from the 1800s. Oh. Jane liked visiting Bath, but she was very surprised in 1800 when her parents decided to move to the city. Now, as a single woman, or, or rather she and her sister as single women with no means of supporting themselves, Jane and Cassandra had no choice but to accompany their parents to Bath. The idea must have been a sudden one, as her father had recently purchased several pieces of furniture for Steventon Rectory, and he had to make the decision. He either had to sell them, which seems a bit daft when he'd only just bought them, or leave, mm-hmm. them, or leave them at Steventon for her brother James, because James, who was a clergyman, moved into Steventon Rectory with his family, and he also took over the living of Steventon. So the, not only do they suddenly have to go to Bath, which was a surprise and they couldn't get ready for it, but um, they're being moved out of their home. And it was a place where Jane had started writing and she, it was, it, well, it was their home. It was very, she had, a, <laughs> she had a piano at her home and that had to be sold. All 500 books in her father's library was sold uh, oh, no. and that's what wow. she, yeah, yeah can you imagine that books um they're all mm-hmm. gone but you, you know it was very very upsetting so I, I but of course they had to make the best of it they had no choice but to move to bath mm-hmm. um when they did move to bath they found a a property at the end of great pulteney street that's what we call it now it's with pulteney street then and uh, it's number four sydney place and the house is still there. It's just opposite Sydney Gardens. And at the time when they moved there in 1801, it was in the countryside. So it was, a, no. it, and she, she did actually like living there. It was, the choice of the position was because it was a nice, easy, flat walk for her mother to get into the city centre. It's um, a very pleasant place in the city. It was quieter a bit as well. Although there were still um, building in that part of the city as well. Didn't stay in Bath for the summer. Bath got very hot in the summer and it really does get, it probably, I don't know if you're, did you say one of you is in New York? I am. You're in New yeah. York. Um, yeah, well, Bath doesn't wear like the temperature you get in New York, but, but it's, okay. it's still, it still gets very stuffy and very, uh, very hot. But uh, anyway, um So they went to the seaside during the summer. They would go out to the seaside. Jane Austen, not only did she like going to the theatre and things like that, she also liked dancing. Did either of you manage to go? You went and did you go to the dance? Either of the we did. We went to the ball. Which one? The masquerade. You went to the mask ball by the pump rooms. Yeah. Ah, Right. Right. Yeah, we got tickets like last minute. Somebody backed out because we were on the waiting list, but we. 
loved that, it. Yeah, it was amazing. That, that <laughs> was really lucky, yes. And, and, so you had the, you promenaded around the, um, you just did the reception around the, the Roman bar. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, so nice. <laughs> and we took the, um, like the dance class yes. earlier in the day yeah. to get ready. Yeah. <laughs> so lots of quadrilles and all of that. Yes. Yes, Diana certainly puts you through it, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Jane Austen wrote about a dance she went to at the um, at what she called the upper rooms, the assembly rooms. And she said, before tea, it was a rather dull affair. But then the before tea did not last long, for there was only one dance, danced by four couple. Think of four couples surrounded by about 100 people dancing in the upper rooms at Bath. We did have a ball at the assembly rooms and we... Mm can get about 280 people I think we had there so mm -hmm. 280 people in the main room the ballroom at the assembly rooms rather than just uh, 100 people is um and that's that's about a nice that's mm -hmm. a nice number yeah I guess they were socially distancing <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it was so uh, in May that she writes it so it's probably just a little bit out of the season but uh, mm. a few a few people came to the ball afterwards they had to move um, after three years at Sydney Place because their lease ran out and they moved to Green Park Buildings. Um, the address, or well, the house they had at Green Park Buildings, uh, was destroyed in 1942. But it's, it's there that her father died. And mm. the Reverend George Austin's actually buried at St Swithin's Church, which was the same church he was married in. That's cute. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, you can see his tombstone. It's in the garden. Um, as you walk oh. past the church, when he died, of course, all all his income ceased. Now he left a bit of money to Mrs. Austin, and Cassandra had uh, been left a small amount from her fiance when he died. Mm -hmm. But Jane Austen had no money at all, nothing of her own at that point in time. The Austin brothers joined together and provided enough money for the three ladies to move into rooms in Gay Street. Number 25 Gay Street is where they were, they lived. But instead of being able to rent the whole house, they could only rent, they could afford rooms in the house. And they were down to one servant rather than three. So that poor servant had to live, um, well, work in the kitchens in the basement. And all the houses in Bath, the older houses, are five stories high. Um, oh, so the basement is low <laughs> ground then you're on the ground floor then there's the first and the second and then the well, the top floor is known as the garret and is where the servants used to sleep so uh, mm, uh, wow yeah that is a workout every day yeah, yeah walking a lot going up oh, going up and down the stairs every day is is a bit exhausting particularly mm -hmm. when there's no no running water so if the ladies wanted to wash mm -hmm. they would take they would carry the water up oh my so, gosh yes. wow. yeah i think it's interesting though that even though you know, they didn't really have any money. They still had a servant, which I guess it would just be what they were used to and wouldn't have considered not having a servant. Maybe, no, or... no, they would have had to have had a servant. They wouldn't have known how to negotiate mm. all, you know, buying mm. food. And well, they could go and buy things. Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't really have had the skill set to, um, mm -hmm. to sort mm -hmm. the everyday things like um, getting your laundry done. Because because mm. you were in rooms, you didn't, you know, we've got washing machines if you're even in the tiniest flat or or, or you go yeah. to the laundrette or whatever, or whatever mm -hmm. you, you call it. Um, but but they, they really didn't have those those sort of basics that, that we have. 
um, mm-hmm. because they come from the countryside. It would have been, it would have been essential. It would have been like us. Must, mm-hmm. Oh, what what would we say? Um, well, personally, uh, you don't tend to use kettles, do you? But I couldn't do without a kettle. Um, <laughs> you know, there's those sort of things, or a washing machine. Yeah, and you know that sort of. Yeah, yeah. Or like that. but yeah, I mean, they would have sorted out their meals and everything for them, and it, it would have been. And Mrs. Austin was in her seventies by then, so um, mm, it, yeah. she, she couldn't be going up and down. That's right. No, she yeah. really, really couldn't. But yeah. they, they stayed in Gay Street for about ten months, and then they moved to um, a sort of much poorer area of the of the city in Trim Street. It doesn't mm-hmm. mention whether they had their servant within them. I'm sure they must have done. But they didn't stay there for mm-hmm. very long before they then left Bath. Um, mm. And Jane later wrote that it it will be two years tomorrow since we left Bath for Clifton. With what happy feelings of escape, she said. Yes. Uh, <laughs> does, does this mean Jane Austen hated Bath? No, it doesn't. <laughs> what, what it does... It, she liked the countryside, and although there were open spaces around Bath, um, her actual life in the city was very restricted. They went to very yeah. small parties. She had to make polite conversation with people she didn't really want to spend time with. Um, she yes. would much have preferred doing her writing, um, yeah. and she couldn't. It was just, you know, they, they visited, they were visited, um, and that's all she could do. Um, she did mm. try writing something called the Watsons, but she never completed that, and she was very unhappy with it anyway. So uh, it was a it was a very restrictive form of of life for her, um, and I I think it's something that we do have to remember today that that ladies really had no choice in what they did. Um, if mm. you were single, you well, as Jane Austen said, single women have a dreadful propensity for being poor, which is one very strong argument in favour of matrimony. Um, but once you were married you were the property of your husband and anything you earned or any of your property became his as well Um, Mm -hmm. and that went for quite a long time we think that possibly her parents were hopeful that taking the girls to Bath would mean that they find husbands for them Um, Mm. the irony of that is that Bath's population was made up of mainly women uh, yeah. there weren't that many men around so it was that one was doomed for failure why is it that there were so many women living there was it like families like Jane Austen's with like a widow um, and like that kind of thing it or? was actually the population in general in the country there were more women than there were men huh. um, okay. and uh, that is still the case but uh, although it has mm. evened out a little bit but the the other thing was that Bath actually was a very good place for single women and it still is um mm. it's a very it's a safe city it was felt to be a safe city at the time mm. um mm. and um you've got clusters of um, i think they call them spinster clusters uh where people, <laughs> ladies could live reasonably cheaply in Bath which is what comes out in persuasion actually because Sir Walter Elliot moves to Bath to live reasonably cheaply um mm-hmm. and um but it was particularly safe for ladies uh and if they were single so um that's hence the reason you get spinster clusters in in the city yeah now going on to her writing um when she got to, after they they moved out of bath and moved to southampton where they lived for three years with her brother francis and his wife and then they were offered a property on edwards hampshire estate at chawton 
I don't know if when you were over over here you managed to get to Hampshire at all, did you, or did you just come to Bath? I've never been, to, never Hampshire. been to Hampshire. No, no. Yeah. But they, um, there's a lovely cottage. It's called Jane Austen's house in Shorten, and um, it's where Jane, when Peace and Quiet of the Countryside, she started writing again. She reworked Eleanor and Marianne. You might remember I mentioned that. And mm-hmm. it became Sense and Sensibility. Mm. It was published in 1811 and made Jane Austen some money, £140 plus whatever the copyright mm. was. She sold, oh, she sold the copyright. £140 is quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Her mm-hmm. second novel to be published, which was published in 1813, was First Impressions, but it was she'd reworked it and renamed it Pride and Prejudice, which mm. you've heard of, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the only money that Jane Austen made from Pride and Prejudice was £110, which is mm. the sum that she received from Egerton for the copyright. Which is shocking, because yeah. I wonder how much Pride and Prejudice made. Yeah. It always <laughs> multi-million dollars. I know, it always makes wow. people gasp when they think about that. Yeah. Yes. So she didn't get royalties for any of these. No. She just sold them yeah. completely. So okay. Those two she sold. She published Mansfield Park in 1814. And um, she got the royalties from that. She didn't sell the copyright mm. to that. She also, mm. then she wrote and had Emma published in 1815. And Emma, she actually dedicated to the Prince Regent. Now, that's, mm. that's George III's son, who became George IV. But as you know, you talk about the Regency period, which is from 1810 to 1820. Mm-hmm. So um, that's when Prince Regent. So he, and she dedicated to him. Because apparently he had a set of every one of her books in each of his homes. Mm. So oh. um, Emma. Wow. He was a big fan. He was a big <laughs> fan. Yes. So the Queen has got her first edition of uh, all of oh, all nice. of Austin's work, mm-hmm. which is a nice one to have. Um, mm-hmm. So she started writing Persuasion in 1815. And in 1816, her brother Henry bought back Susan, which she renamed Northanger mm. Abbey. Or it was renamed. Oh. Okay. Now both yeah. <laughs> lights are going yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> now both Persuasion and Northanger Abbey um, are—they've got great chunks of them set in Bath, uh, and mm-hmm. and they are fascinating for that because you can find the places that they mention in them in the city of Bath. Uh, and um, but neither of those were published until after her death. She started becoming ill in 1816, and but felt a bit better at the beginning of the following year. Writing a novel called that was later named Sanderton, and of course on the television here in the UK we had Sanderton earlier on in the year. Um, How did you find that? Um, yeah, it's not Austin, is it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's fun. It's really great fun. Mm-hmm. I like. Oh yeah, it's just a good Sunday evening sort of series thing. But yeah, uh, no, it wasn't. It it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes, it's a it's a it's a bit of fun. But there we go. That's about all you can say. I, I enjoyed yeah. the film, but it definitely wasn't Austin. So yeah. anyway, she she um, in the early part of eighteen seventeen, she became so ill that her brothers took her to Winchester which is in Hampshire, and in a small cottage um, close to Winchester Cathedral, placed in College Street, Jane Austen died on the 18th of July, 1817. She was just 41 years old 
Mm. Her, her novels, Northanger Abbey and Persuasion, as I said earlier, both of which have sections of Bath in them, quite large sections, they were published after her death. By her, That was organised by her brother Henry and her sister Cassandra. For the very first time, her name appeared in print, Jane Austen. Prior to that, it had said by a lady or by the author of Sense and Sensibility or Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. etc. Um, and the reason she didn't she didn't want her name to appear in print, it was perfectly all right in the early 19th century to appear in print. Uh, you have people like Fanny Burney, you have Moriah Edgeworth. I love have... Fanny Burney. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Or, yes, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with her being, her name. Her name mm. But Jane, Jane Austen didn't want to embarrass her family. Hmm. Do you think... Would it have been embarrassing because she was working or because of the work she was like, because of the books that she was writing? I don't think any of it would have been embarrassing. I think she, for the sake of her family, she just didn't want the name to be in print. She felt it wasn't what Mm -hmm. should be done. It wasn't until Victoria was on Mm -hmm. the throne that actually, um, so from 1837 onwards, that actually a woman working was seen as not the done thing. But, um, um, you know, she was she was wrong. She was fine. She could have. I mean, it shows that in 1817, they put her name in print. So they didn't mind at all. Yeah. Yeah. Jane, there there are various. There's no real likeness of Jane Austen, except for a small one that her sister did, which is in the National Portrait Gallery. Um, the Jane Austen Centre in Bath has produced a waxwork of her likeness and a portrait, which um, has been studied by a forensic artist she produced it um, mm-hmm. there is a portrait of Jane Austen in a back view which shows her sitting on a grassy hillock and the ribbons of her bonnet are untied which is the only indication that it was an extremely hot day mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah and I said that they went to the seaside to get out of the heat in the summer mm-hmm. weather um, Jane mentions the heat and, and I think this is probably one of my favourite quotes of hers Uh, from her which says um, and it's a bit of an understatement really it says what dreadful hot weather we have it keeps one in a continual state of inelegance which I just think is so lovely it means I'm sweaty basically yeah oh my gosh (laughs) yes um if you want to read more about her there's lots of stuff about her um there's Claire Tomlin a Jane Austen Jane Austen alive Paula Byrne the real Jane Austen and life in small things. They're very informative. Um, somebody that we have back to the Jane Austen Festival every year is, is called Professor John Mullen. He wrote a book called What Matters in Jane Austen. And it's, it's, hmm. it's an excellent read. It's very amusing. And it just says what, uh, how she approaches things in her novels. It's, it's not one of those that dissects her novels, but it just highlights mm-hmm. things. Um, and it's quite fun. Um, to go back to the festival, now you know because you came last year, um, it brings together people from all over the world. Uh, there are over 80 events uh, during the course of 10 days. The most spectacular of those is the Regency Costumed Promenade, which is usually about 600 people. Um, and we hold up all the traffic in the city centre and walk <laughs> through in Regency costume. Um, the other, of course, is the in the pump rooms when you go to the, the ball there. That's great mm. fun, too. Um, 
Uh, but what I hope that you felt was that it didn't you. I know you went together, but you didn't need to be together. You didn't need to have two of you. You could have gone to anything on your own and, and felt mm-hmm. quite at home. I hope you felt you had that. Yeah, absolutely. everyone was so friendly, yeah. so welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. And you could always, you know, you could see people in because everybody's in costume. Yeah. Uh, so you could just see them and like have an automatic connection kind of with them. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Just ask about, oh, where'd you get your costume? Did you make it? Mm-hmm. I love yeah. this piece. Like, yeah, it was so nice. It, exactly. So it means that people can just chat to each other. Uh, you might never have met them before, but there are people that have been coming for, well, almost as long as I've been going. Um you know sort of 16 18 years something like mm-hmm. that and they've made mm-hmm. long-term friendships and they mm-hmm. they meet their friends all over the world so it's mm-hmm. um, it's it's great fun but it's so sad that it's not on this year i know we were so devastated <laughs> when we, found out. we were like watching videos from the last year on your yeah. on the facebook page yeah um which of course it's safer not to do it but it, i was just like oh. <laughs> yeah i had i had to make a decision very early on before mm-hmm. before we went to print with any program mm-hmm. or anything like that, mm-hmm. just just to minimize the outlay but what I feel for is all the artists, the musicians, the yeah. the theatres that just have no income. Yeah. Absolutely none. So it's, it is it's very sad. Yeah. But what Jane Austen would have made of us making such a big fuss of her, I really don't know. But uh... <laughs> That is true. Yeah. yeah. For her books that she got paid £100 for. I know. Now. I know. Oh I know. Gosh. I know. Well, yeah. even, even those that she didn't sell the copyright to, her sister sold the copyright uh, for um, in about the 1780s. 17, no, later than that. 18, I'm just trying to think when she died. About 1840s, I think she sold the copyright. Mm. So mm. from then mm-hmm. on, the Austin family have received no wow. royalties for any of Jane Austen's oh, work. Oh, my goodness. Mm. I bet they regret that. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. <I know. laughs> well, there you go. Is there anything else I can... Um, um answer any questions you got i don't i think i'll need to listen to this again there was so much it was There's so interesting <laughs> yeah no i just i think it's so fascinating they moved around so yeah, much they once did. they went to bath it seemed like they moved like every year almost like yes so they they did and they and once they left bath they still moved around a bit until they settled at short mm-hmm. um yeah. there are i mean there's a great book on her of her letters Although there's only about 160 of them, that's mm. that's um, so you know you can study her. There's plenty yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. It's just disappointing we don't have any of her diaries. I feel like the, no diary, no the letters are like the way you want people to see you. They're yes. not going to be as like you know authentic all the time. And well, her the ones that survive are authentic, except that her sister cut bits out of them and destroyed mm. a few of them. Mm. So mm-hmm. so the really where she was really annihilating somebody's character <laughs> that's she's got rid of those she's got rid oh, of the okay. evidence yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense I guess <laughs> that's so funny and like different from how I mean that's totally a normal person thing to do but that's yeah. so different from how you think of Jane Austen as somebody who would be annihilating yeah characters. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she's a human being just like the rest of us certainly is I mean there's there there are bits that actually that I think Cassandra must have left because there's one particular one where she mentions that um, 
she understands that somebody's died um, after the birth of her child, which is, and it was, actually, I'm not going to repeat it because it's not very nice. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's not all nice. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, um, yes, to, uh, but um, she's great sense of humour. And that mm-hmm. comes through in her works, of course. <laughs> yes. Do you know, did Jane Austen ever meet the Prince Regent or she just dedicated her book to him because she knew that he had brought them all? She she went up to London to um, edit some of her books before, or edit one of her books and stayed with her brother Henry, who was there. And at that, mm-hmm. she met um, Stania Clark, who was the Prince Regent's librarian. And mm-hmm. it was through him he said, oh, the Prince Regent really would like you to dedicate his next book, which was basically, you know, you've got to dedicate your next book to him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I know Jane, so she never actually met the Prince Regent, but she did go to, uh, no, I might get it wrong, Clarence House, I think, or whatever was his London abode at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did go and have a look around that, and she did meet Stania Clark. Um, uh, so she got quite close, but uh, yeah, yeah, didn't actually meet him. But I don't think she wanted to because she didn't actually like him very much. Oh, okay. She felt a bit. She felt a bit sorry for his wife, um, Charlotte, mm. who um, who basically he uh, well, he married and then realised he didn't actually like her at all and oh. flatly refused for her to go to his coronation when he became king oh wow uh, so uh yeah no she he was really not very pleasant to his wife so mm. yeah wow harsh yes jane austen didn't approve so that was that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um do you know have you seen uh i've seen i think two movies becoming jane and maybe another one oh, yes. that were about her life yes do you have any thoughts about those movies? Did they seem accurate, mm, not accurate? Right, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, so the two you're talking about are Becoming Jane and Miss Austin Regrets, aren't they? Yes, yeah. They're very nice films. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, Becoming, Becoming Jane is the one that is, it has her with a relationship with Tom Lefroy. Um, yeah. Which... Um, is is very sweet, um, mm-hmm. but she certainly wouldn't have eloped with him, and which is in that film. Uh, yeah. that would that didn't happen. Um, and basically, they they probably did in the terrible twentieth century or twenty first century terminology. They fancied each other. This is dreadful uh-huh. expression we use it. <laughs> they fancied each other, mm-hmm. but I think it. it there was an attraction but I think that's all there was to it so they've made mm, something yeah. out of nothing with that but it's a nice film it's great fun mm. the, the one yeah. the one big thing I have about that film is when he sees her right at the end of the film which just didn't happen anyway she oh, mm-hmm. is wearing Victorian hairdo now Jane Austen died oh, in 1817 yeah. Victoria, mm. Victoria came to the throne yeah. in 1837 she would not yeah. have had a hairdo like that, and it, it it just the rest of the film was really quite sweet until they come to that, and then <laughs> I think, oh no! But anyway, <laughs> Miss Miss Austin regrets. Um, it's a it's a fabrication. There are people all over the place in that. Um, but mm. but what uh, and how much of the actual nursing would her sister have done? I know that she died in her sister's arms, but. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she probably did nurse her. She probably did. But um, uh, so again, there are bits that are right and bits that are not. But 
we can't ever put ourselves in somebody else's mind so but yeah um, yeah but both both are worth watching but if you want to know the true story of Jane Austen you need to read something by Deirdre the Fay which is called Jane Austen a family record which um mm-hmm. in fact Deirdre the Fay Deirdre the Fay just died a couple of weeks ago uh she oh, yeah. she was 87 so not bad but she was the authority mm-hmm. on all things to do with Jane Austen and her family and um, mm. that book is taken from Austin family history as well as Austin family notes and all sorts of things. So it's Deirdre Le Fay, Jane Austen, a family record. And um, if you want to know the truth about Jane Austen, read that. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, thank cool. you. We'll definitely recommend um, it. On, we can post it on our Instagram. Good. Because it will go, yeah, to, her, it'll look, go yeah. to her estate. <laughs> The money from sales, <laughs> yeah. but you know, yeah, but it yeah. but it is superb. I mean, it's it's not easy going, but it is it is superb if you really, really, really want to know mm-hmm. what's what. Um, can I ask oh, one of course. more question? Yes, go on. And I promise I will eventually let you. Know. Um, are you were, you were saying um that in it wasn't until Queen Victoria came in like started her reign yep. that women having a job was more like looked down upon. Yep. Yeah, well, well, so, uh, yes. Queen Victoria reigned from eighteen thirty-seven to nineteen oh one, and before the Queen Elizabeth II, she was the longest reigning monarch. Um, she did not do anything for women in that period of time. She might have been on the throne herself, but uh, and the head of our, our, you know, the head of of the UK and Empress of India and all that sort of stuff. But actually, mm-hmm. she sent things backwards a bit, really. Um, but basically, I think because the Georgian period and the Regency period was one of, well, she thought it, they were all delinquents and that they drank too much, ate too much and everything mm-hmm. else and overindulgent and promiscuous, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so she she was very straight-laced. I don't know why she was straight-laced. Yeah. I don't know why she was, but she was. <laughs> Um, and um, I mean, she had thirteen children, I think. Or was or, 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 yeah? I know she, she had, had a lot, lot of kids. Mm-hmm. So you know, she was up to something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so why she was so straight laced with everybody else, I don't know. But she, mm. she, yeah. So I, I think it was reactionary from how easygoing the Georgians had been. The Victorians then became very straight laced, and so if you were a woman, you you know it was better to publish under a male name so you have george mm-hmm. george Eliot's mm-hmm. a prime example of that because that's actually a mm-hmm. female um and um so yeah it, but earlier on you know before that time uh before victoria got ensconced and um started <laughs> being prim and proper uh, <laughs> then it was it was okay yeah does that does yeah does that explain yeah i find that yeah i find it so interesting how things change Mm. but uh kind of in a a non-progressive way in a way you wouldn't expect yes you you think you think especially with a woman yes you you would Mm -hmm. think it would be progressive wouldn't you but uh no it wasn't Mm -hmm. i don't know what it was like for the states at that time because uh, we we had split by then and you didn't she wasn't yeah she wasn't ruling over you was she but I think a lot of it was definitely kind of in yeah. fashion, you know, carried over yeah. because I know like, you know, the whole 
temperance movement was like popular both here and I think in England no, as well. And <laughs> well, there were certain know. people that yeah, we didn't. They didn't totally yeah. ban it though. It was just certain religions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's it? Mm-hmm. Um, we still mm-hmm. had alcohol. <laughs> yeah. yeah in the in victorian times they still had alcohol here mm. but it was like uh that's when it started mm. yeah when yeah. they like became mm. a topic of conversation mm. but mm. yeah well this was so interesting thank right. you so much jackie that's all right <laughs> so i hope yeah. your i hope this story goes on and is, is good <laughs> And you've got, yeah. you've got somebody coming to talk about the sisterly relationship between her. We do, and... actually. Yeah, she's yeah. coming on tomorrow to talk about Cassandra right. and Jane. Um, and she's been reading a bunch of their letters between each other. So I'm excited yeah. to see a little bit more of that relationship, what yeah. it looks like in detail. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah because the, the, Jane Austen and Cassandra Austen, their mother, Cassandra Lee, had a sister who was Jane. So you, oh, oh what the blooming names go all the way through uh-huh. yes. yeah 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 so um we have definitely found that with a lot of our episodes yeah. that everybody just has the same names yeah. over and yeah. over again. yes 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 i was reading persuasion the other day actually and i remember like at the beginning um when he's reading like the book of barons it's that, yeah. like she makes a joke about that she's like reading about all the Elizabeths and Marys or something yes. like that. And I was just like, that's so funny. Like, it's true. Everyone has the same name. They do. It's an, it's an absolute nightmare. But yeah, I mean, the, Cassandra is a name that goes all the way through the Austin family. Um, mm. And um, mm-hmm. so does Jane. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's okay. Again, thank you so much. Okay. No problem. Yeah. And yeah, we'll let you know when this comes out and hopefully you can have a listen. Right. But thank you so much. We learned so much. Oh, good. Lovely. And uh, oh, good, yeah, and good like, luck to you. It sounds like a lovely project you're doing. Let's hope you. it really, really takes off. But it's it's great. Yeah. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Okay. Um, right. Sabrina awesome. and Marva. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell the difference between you. That's what, that would be impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, have a great day. And you. Yes. Thank you. Best of luck. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much to Jackie for being our guest this episode. If any of our listeners are interested in learning more about the Jane Austen Festival and all that it entails, you can go to janeaustenfestivalbath.co.uk. Also, as a reminder for our new listeners, we are doing a giveaway. One lucky winner will win the Harlot's Handbook, Harris's List by Hallie Rubenhold. Harris's List was published in the 18th century to show men of means what Covent Garden's finest ladies had to offer, for a price, of course. Hallie Rubenhold has compiled the most interesting entries into her book, which inspired the TV show Harlots. In order to enter our giveaway, please rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and post a screenshot of your review on social media and tag us at Sistery Untold. All right, and ready, Sabrina? I'm ready when you are. Okay. <laughs> this, this is sisterly. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sistery Untold. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sistery Untold or go to our website, sisteryuntold.com.
On our website, you can find our blog, which has a little bit of information following up from each episode, as well as a list of all of our sources. So if you want to fact check us or just learn a little bit more about all of the cool things we're talking about, you can find that on our blog. If you've enjoyed this episode, the best way to support us is by rating and reviewing Sistery Untold on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And tell your friends.